0: Morning Coffee with Reese Boyd. Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk ninety four point five.
1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.07 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, September 26th, 2020. September about to be in the history books. Welcome back to another Saturday and another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. I am Reese Boyd, your host, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis & Boyd, Attorneys at Law. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're doing okay on this Saturday morning. Here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee and join us as we talk about the news, current events, everything that we think you need to know about, all the things happening in your world. And there is a lot happening in your world, a lot to keep up with. Here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we're all about limited government And lower taxes, because that means more freedom for you and me and all of us who are we the people. We've got a country to save. Now more than ever, that is certainly true. It's true every day, but boy, has it been true lately. It starts right here on the local level. So we invite you to settle in. Join us as we uh, talk about all the things that we think you need to know. Join that, uh, grab that favorite uh, Java that you've got and uh, your newspaper if you have one. And uh, get ready to discuss uh, what's uh, new in the world. And uh, we're talking uh, about a lot today, got a lot to cover. So uh, we invite you to join us uh, for the discussion. Glenn, how you doing this morning? I'm doing excellent, and yourself? I'm doing well. Yeah. I'm doing Happy well. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you. Nice. looks like it's going to be a nice day out.
2: Yeah, it's going to be beautiful today. 81 degrees, 30% chance of a passing shower. But uh, it's really going to get sunny as the sun is about to set. So oh, yeah. <laughs> Most, mostly cloudy during the day, but yeah. as the sun's getting ready to set, it's going to look nice.
1: Hopefully the rain will hold off uh, a little bit. I'd like to get a bike ride in today. I need, I could use a little exercise. I'm feeling a little doughy. We've
2: had no shortage of rain yeah. this summer.
1: We've had no shortage of rain. Uh, speaking of bike rides, I want to take just a moment for a little public service announcement. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll appreciate this, Glenn. Uh, mm-hmm. On the, on the uh, way to the uh, station this morning, as I was turning onto Fantasy Harbor Boulevard, there was a bike, a road bike, uh, bicycle nice bicycle guy was going extremely fast came through the red light and i just want to remind folks uh when you're on a bicycle particularly when you're on the road uh, you're obliged to obey mm-hmm. the rules of the road and that would include uh, red lights it's uh you know if it had been uh, you know when i'm coming in hot as we like to say yeah. i don't i don't typically stop at that green light to make sure i've got in fact nobody coming in literally right before i got to the to the green light and it was clearly red You know, in his direction, this guy came from the left off the bridge coming downhill toward the airport, just flew through that red light at a very high rate of speed. Now, I know that's a nice bike, but if you uh, (laughs) interact with my, if your Cannondale carbon fiber bicycle interacts with my GMC pickup at a high rate of speed... Uh, I don't think that bicycle is going to offer you much. Well, maybe protection. John was
2: up early this morning yeah, yeah. out for a bike. It ride, didn't look yeah. like John.
1: I'm going to I'm going to ask John. I don't <laughs> think that was John. It was. Uh, but just reminder to all, even our bicycle. And I love to bike, y'all. I I don't spend as much time on the road because I prefer mountain biking uh, these days. But uh, just a reminder to everybody to obey uh, the rules of the law of the road, and we'll uh, we'll all get along. So can't we, we all just get along? We should just say obey the law
2: nationally.
1: Yeah. How about just Co- obey the law?
2: Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I mean, we've got so much disobeying of the
1: law right now, lawlessness. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, you are correct. Lawlessness uh. continues, and um, and so, but we have uh, much to talk about, and that's uh, a big part of it. So it's uh, one of the one more thing. But yes, we would all be much better off uh, in this world if we would simply all do that: to obey the law. And by the way. Um, I'm looking. Uh, speaking of my trip into the office uh, this morning, one of the things I was uh, thinking about on the on the way to the station is uh, what are all the things that we uh, have to be thankful for. Now, how did I get on this topic? Now, what what? And that's my question for you, Glenn. What do you have to be thankful for this morning?
2: Oh my goodness, I have so much to be thankful for. I mean, I mean, I'm full of thankfulness lately. Um, you know, Carol. Uh, yep. Type thing. I mean, well, great relationship. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that my parents are still here, both of them on this on this earth. Uh, dad is 88 um, yep. and, and doing well. I'm thankful for so
1: much. I want to I want to give a shout out uh, to my sister. Yesterday was her birthday. Yesterday would have been my dad's birthday. My dad is celebrating his birthday in heaven, right. and so I was uh, thinking. I was trying to think about something to put on Facebook and I just I didn't get a chance to get to it but I was flipping back through photos old photos Mm -hmm. of uh, in the on the computer Uh, me and my dad me and my sister my very and of course all family photos are in the same queue and so I was just flipping back through years of photos and it was a great reminder of all that we have uh, to be thankful for and I certainly am thankful for my family I'm thankful to have a great sister happy birthday uh, Teresa and uh and i certainly do miss my dad uh but uh, oh, yeah. you know you're i'm i'm so thankful for uh what family we have uh that remains and uh, of course uh thankful that i know my dad is in heaven you know well, and, my, uh, my friends and I'm and we'll see him again yeah, so I'm, to
2: speak i'm the minority i i have both my parents still and yeah. i'm very thankful for that
1: now I have yeah, that, and that is for huge. Shall, shall I say for a man of of your seasoning yes, uh, yeah. that's unusual. It, it is. I'm most of my <laughs> friends are right? You're right. And the good that, thing, not to put too fine a point on it or
2: anything. But, but, but the good thing yeah. is they they knew my dream <clears> when I was a kid. They saw me go through a 35 year career. It was oh yeah. something I didn't intend to do with my life. Yeah, and now yeah. they're alive to see that I'm actually
1: kind of doing what I want to do now. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. So we're here having fun on Saturday morning, and I was reminded this morning, actually, Glenn, that. Uh, I was uh, looking at this uh, bracelet you folks listening on the radio don't see this but Glenn can see this uh, through the glass I've got a little uh, purple mm-hmm. bracelet that I was given we my wife and I were invited to visit uh Sunday, a Sunday school class uh, led by uh Dean Welch a local fellow here in town who leads the Sunday school class that meets over at Tupelo Bay they're they're meeting there during this all this covidity right. and uh so we were invited and while we were there uh Dean gave us these uh bracelets which are supposed to remind us that and there's the, these bracelets are from complaintfreeworld.org. You can look it up, A complaintfreeworld.org, it's Supposed to keep you from complaining. Uh, well, <laughs> this is this bracelet that I'm wearing it's supposed to keep you from complaining. Good luck with that. And yeah. so I said, so it's like I, I was driving to work this morning I'm thinking, you know, this this bracelet is not working. I'm going to have to call Dean and complain. <laughs> it's not working. Then so maybe take it back and get my money back. Except, uh, Dean uh, gave it gave to me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but when you uh, when you complain, Dean said, when you complain, when you wear this bracelet, uh, take it off, move it to the other hand, and that's a reminder that you have complained. Because that is our nature, is it not? No matter how good we have it, we we want to complain about those things that. But we have so much uh, to be thankful for. But I've I've practically broken the thing this week, yeah. moving it from hand to hand. But um, it is uh, very uh, important that we think about today and every day All the many things in the midst of all the strife in the world around us In the midst of all the things that seem to be going wrong And there is so much that seems to be going wrong And there is so much uh, animosity, so much worry, so much stress So much angst, so much anger And yet... In the midst of it all, we all, each of us, have so many things to be thankful for. So, hope you'll think about that a little bit this morning. And uh, be thankful. Be thankful for all that you do have that you uh, need to be thankful for. And uh, we'll be right back, folks, with uh, a lot more to talk about this morning on Saturday Morning Coffee. Thanks for joining us. I'm Reese Boyd, joined here by I Hope you guys will stick with us as well. We'll be back. Don't leave town.
3: Milo is your best friend, he's your second cousin, all roads lead to, he's the rising sun, Milo is a long, long way from home yet, Milo is a name you won't forget, Milo I haven't met yet.
0: Saturday Morning Coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. Hey
1: everybody, it's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee talking with Greg Sisson. Greg is the principal at the Greg Sisson Team Remax First Choice Real Estate.
3: How long have you been in the real estate business? I started in real estate full-time in 1997 and our company is is really structured where we can serve the client at a high level so we've really streamlined it to make it simple and easy for our clients our market is red hot kind of the perfect storm for home sellers right now in the grand strand remax
1: first choice the greg sisson team real estate experts here in myrtle beach ready to help
3: you with your real estate needs greg if folks want to get in touch with you at your office how can they do that Really, my cell phone is the best way. It's 843-251-2693. And then our website is gregsisson.com. Check us out there as well. If you are a seller today and you're thinking about it, it, it would make sense to give me a call.
0: Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two. full hours on Talk 94.5.
3: Milo is your best friend, he's your second cousin. All roads lead to. He's the rising sun. Milo is a long, long way from home yet. Milo is a name you won't forget. Milo I haven't met
1: yet. Good morning everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, your host. And it is 721 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us here for this episode of Saturday Morning Coffee. Hope your coffee is treating you well this morning. Hope you're waking up, getting going. It is um, a great day to be alive in South Carolina. A lot going on, but a lot to be thankful for, as we were talking about uh, just before the break. Unfortunately, the violence, uh, reflecting on the week that has just uh, passed, violence continues uh, in our cities it's it 's again uh, inexplicable how some politicians cannot uh, find the courage and and the fortitude to stand up and condemn what is uh, going on in the cities around us but of course, we saw quite a bit of violence uh, this week in louisville and uh, and it continues uh, even as we are um, going to air today. There's uh, episodes I saw yesterday on the um, on, on some of the outlets following a legal decision they did not like in the Breonna Taylor case. Uh, two officers were shot and uh, numerous reports of that and we're all uh, familiar with that video. Video was uh, uh, circulating online as the gunfire uh, began. Reuters, in its infinite wisdom, declared the shooting of police and, and, the, and the resounding protest mostly peaceful. Uh, from the black uh, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, as he gave news of the charge, our reaction to the truth today says what kind of society we want to be. Do we really want the truth, or do we want the truth that fits our narrative? Denny Burke called Cameron's statement, a message favoring the rule of law, due process and justice, the stuff that civil rights, freedom and democracy are built on. Uh, Before the riots began, a U-Haul, you probably saw this video, U-Haul arrived in town dispersing uh, riot equipment. It was brought in by someone uh, connected to, funded by, apparently, Soros. And um, there's a Quite a bit of evidence that is now emerging, as we have uh, discussed on this program, that the uh, riots are not spontaneous; that there are they are being uh, sprinkled, uh, and and there are instigators in the crowds that are funded by Soros and other left wing agitators. There are some hedge fund uh, guys that are uh, putting money into this for reasons that are inexplicable. Rioters continued uh, the trend of. Harassing diners. Various tweets uh, went out uh, reflecting that uh, they marched in uh, St. Paul, and of course uh, mentioned uh, Louisville. They marched in St. Paul. Uh, they also marched. And uh, bear with me one second. I've got to flip the page here. Bear with me. They march. The uh, they chanted in the streets of New York. They rioted in Atlanta. Uh, in Austin, uh, folks were arrested who were clogging the streets. In Dallas. Curiously enough, white Black Lives Matter protesters shouted expletives at a black woman trying to drive down the street. Uh, This from Ariel Davidson. I wish the Democrats were as upset about rioting and burning down cities as they are about a constitutionally sound nomination of a judge. Interesting point. Larry Elder had this to say, in recent years, at least as many unarmed whites have been killed by police as have unarmed blacks. For 2020, as of June, per the Washington Post, again, this according to Larry Elder, citing the Washington Post, police shot and killed 14 unarmed blacks and 25 unarmed whites. Uh, name one unarmed white victim. You won't be able to do that. Another interesting point that I heard is, you know, the narrative going around is that Brianna Taylor uh, being an innocent victim shot uh, while she slept. In fact, she was not shot while she slept. She was awake. She was in the hallway. She was beside somebody. Uh, her boyfriend, apparently, who was engaged in armed resistance to a lawful search warrant. There was awful also information floating around online that the police went to the wrong house. Apparently that is not the case. So the, uh, the charge um, of uh, reckless endangerment, not sufficient for the folks who are pursuing this narrative. So we saw quite a bit of violence uh, in Louisville this week as a result. Interesting thing about Louisville uh, to me, and it it is concerning, um, you know, we see these things happen in Chicago. We see things happen in New York and we think, well, that could not possibly happen uh, here. Everybody thinks, well, that won't happen in my town. Well, you know, I've been to Louisville many times and uh, you know, Louisville, I mean, for heaven's sakes, uh, we make our baseball bats in Louisville. Um, I mean, Louisville is Kentucky. Louisville is Middle America, um, and if this kind of uh, insane violence uh, can can happen in Louisville, uh, it can happen. In my opinion, it can happen anywhere, and so it's a it's a troubling <clears throat> it's a troubling development. But uh, we'll have to continue to. Uh, see how it unfolds. But the only answer to this, folks, is to continue, as we discussed, and as we've discussed many times on this program, to stand up and insist that the rule of law be upheld. And if you are engaged in uh, unlawful activity, if you're engaged in unlawful protest, and, and again, burning a building down is not a protest. Burning a building down is terrorism. And if you're engaged in rioting or terrorism, you need to be punished to the fullest extent possible under the law. And that's the bottom line. That's the uh, that's the only option that we have if we are going to preserve uh, our society. If you don't care about preserving the society, then uh, no big deal. But obviously, we care about preserving the society. Um, also wanted to tell you, neglected to mention the call-in lines. You guys are welcome to join the show, 843-903-2945. We, uh, we invite your comments here on the program. If you'd rather text us your comments, you can text your comments to the pcrxcomputers.com text line. That number for the text line is 843-798-8255. That is 798-TALK. You can also tweet your comments. Tweet those comments to me at the call sign at Reese Boyd. For those of you who love email, and I love email, you can email your comments, questions, etc. to me. That email address for the show is Reese Boyd, SMC at gmail.com. And quite a few of you have contacted me uh, at the office uh, during normal business hours. That's the office of Davis and Boyd Attorneys at Law. That's where I have the day job. That number is uh, 843- Uh, 839-9800 so if those of you out there who aren't really talkative on saturday mornings many of you have called the office and i always enjoy hearing from you guys and so feel free to call us there at the offices of davis and boyd attorneys at law and again but the call in line here on the show 843-903-2945 we got a couple of calls uh on the line who's uh by the way if you're if you've been taken to task by the host within the last uh one episode of the show uh, for uh, failing to deliver on your call. you're, you're in uh, broadcaster caller timeout. So uh, if you fall in that department, we won't be able to get to you, but I uh, but I, uh, I'll, I'll try to get to as many calls as we can. We do have a couple of calls on the line so we uh, if you guys will hang with us, we'll try to get to you. But first we've got a word from our sponsors and uh, we'll be right back folks with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Glenn Dye. I'm Reese Boyd. that's Glenn Dye This is Saturday morning coffee. Don't leave town.
0: Four three seven nine eight talk. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk ninety four point five. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk ninety four point five.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It is 7.34 on your Saturday morning. Hope the uh, coffee's waking you up. Hope you're uh, stirring out and about. Uh, Thanks for joining us here on the show. Wanted to take a moment here on Saturday Morning Coffee uh, to uh, recognize and uh, remember a dear friend of mine, uh, Myrtle Beach, O'Ree County. Uh, South Carolina lost um, a great leader uh, this week. And, uh, of course, I'm referring to our own uh, Benny Swans. Um, Benny was a a dear friend of mine. Benny was a civil rights leader um, that uh, had made a great impact on uh, this county, this town, and this uh, state. And I had come to know Benny over the last several years as a result of uh, my work with uh, or my assistance with participation in the Community Law Enforcement Appreciation a Committee. That's a committee here in town of uh, uh, police and, and and non-police folks, um, a few attorneys, a few business folks, uh, various folks involved in the community who I want to thank our law enforcement for their service and recognize them for their uh, for their uh, incredibly important role in keeping us all safe, but also to help build bridges between uh, the police and the communities that they serve, and in particular the children among us. So it's a great a great project, a great effort. And Benny um, was the uh, co-chair of that effort, along with another gentleman, John Bonsignor, senior, who is going to be joining us here in just a second on the phone. I believe he's called in. And, uh, but we lost Benny this week. Benny was one of the co chairs, and I got to know Benny well uh, through the CLIAC uh, effort and, and other things that we worked on uh, together. And uh, Benny was, uh, Benny was uh, spent a lot of time in South Carolina, he also had family up in Philadelphia. Uh, folks gathered here at the uh, convention center yesterday, hundreds of folks gathered uh, to say their uh, final farewells. And uh, Benny was uh, born to the late Benny Swan Sr. And Bernie Swans in 1949, born in Buffalo, New York. His family relocated to Philadelphia PA in 1958 when Benny was just nine years old. Benny was the eldest of five, uh, excuse me, the eldest boy of five children that the Swans had. Benny was educated in the Philadelphia School District, graduated from Edward T. Bach Vocational High School. From there he was drafted to the United States Army, where he fought in the Vietnam War. He valiantly served his country, earning three silver stars two bronze stars and a purple heart before finally being honorably discharged benny would later go on to earn a bachelor's degree in public administration from antioch university benny has worked in many positions upon his return from the vietnam war including the safe streets initiative vision quest the school district of philadelphia the crisis uh, intervention network and as i mentioned the community law enforcement appreciation committee among many others Uh, Benny realized early in his life that he had a calling, and that calling was to serve uh, the communities of Philadelphia and abroad. Um, He did a lot of work through the Safe Streets Initiative, um, uh, tackling the problem of street violence, and um, along with the assistance of the late Senator Arlen Specter and a former probation officer, Tom Reed. He worked to start the Crisis Intervention Network there and was the founder and president um, it just did so many things uh, for the community there. And uh, later, his, uh, he and his wife would move to South Carolina to take care of, I believe, her ailing mother. And, of course, Benny went to work um, uh, hard at work uh, after uh, they came to take care of his wife's mother in King Street. Went to work hard to help the um, uh, communities here. Uh, Benny worked on things like the Salters Prison Project, which helped to create uh, jobs in the area. For minority contractors. After two years in King Street, Benny moved his family to Myrtle Beach, where he continued to volunteer. Um, and he was not only involved in the CLIAC committee that I've talked about, but was also instrumental in the formation of the Martin Luther King Jr. Day celebration. He successfully lobbied Myrtle Beach City Council for an official MLK Day holiday. Um, he was truly a man of the people, and he was. And he was not only, not only that, but he was a friend. One of the things that Benny reminded me of is, you know, I didn't often, uh, many times would not necessarily agree with Benny on every issue, but we were first and foremost friends and we could talk about things. And Benny's passing and, and reflecting on that reminded me of what uh, what happened. Where did we lose the ability to have a political disagreement with somebody without it turning into uh, hatred, without it turning into Hating the other person or wanting to harm the other person or wanting to burn something down. I mean, when did we lose the ability to have that discussion? But uh, I did uh, mention uh, John Senior. I think John's on the line and uh, wanted to say perhaps a few words. John, are you there?
4: Uh, how are you doing, Reese? How's everything going? Uh, I'll take my coffee uh, with cream and sugar, if you don't mind. Cream and sugar coming right up. Coming right up. One, 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 one right sugar up. is right. One sugar only, Reese. Uh, I heard your beautiful tribute to uh, Benny Swans. Uh, you covered practically everything that needs to be said about uh, Benny's uh, life. Uh, you can think of Benny in uh, this fashion, uh, by throwing a pebble into a pond and seeing the ripples of the waves. It gets smaller and larger and larger and larger. And that's actually how Benny was. He started small and he went further and further and further and grew and grew and grew and believed in the human being. He believed in people that they all need a lift when they're down, and Benny was there to give them that lift. Benny was there because he had a heart of gold. He believed in people. In fact, um, Benny would like to say, and he believed this very, very strongly, uh, he called uh, everything uh, a beautiful bouquet of flowers, uh, and he says that flowers represent all, of that, uh, all the colors of the rainbow. That he gleam, uh, he said, as I recall, uh, an aura of beauty, uh, which he felt um, the world needed. He needed a clarity of love, peace, humility, and solidarity, and and that's what how you can. Encapsulized Benny Swans, a man of peace, love, and uh, purity.
1: He was a he was a great American, John. And thank you, no, thank there was you no for that. About yeah. no question
4: about that. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: I I always remember John a meeting that we had in my office, and Benny was there. And Benny looked at me, and he said, "Reese, you need to run for political office." And I said, uh, "Benny, <laughs> in in case you haven't been following, at home, and I know you have." Uh, I tried that. And I wasn't real successful, you know. made it to, <laughs> Made it to a runoff, but lost in a close. Lost it in a close one. He said, well, Benny would have Benny would have
4: said you didn't try that
1: hard enough. <laughs> well, he said what you he said was he said, he said, he, he, said he said Reese he said Reese he said okay. Reese you like uh, I'll I'll say this and then I'll let you I'll let you finish. He said Reese you're like a young Joe Kennedy and I said uh, Benny Joe Joe Kennedy's a Democrat. He said Reese you're a Democrat. I just hadn't finished working on you yet. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah, he, he makes, was uh, he was just a. Uh, he was just a, a, a wonderful guy that could always make a personal uh connection, no matter the differences of opinion you may have, you know? So and I'm sorry I interrupted you, John. What were you gonna say? No, no,
4: no, that's okay. He wanted to say what you had to say and that was perfectly all right. Uh but Benny would love to say about us to me all the time. He would say that he's short and I'm tall, he's black, I'm white, uh I'm kind of Heavy, which I don't think I am, and he's and he's slim, but most importantly, I'm a damn Republican. As he would say, and I would be shocked to saying that that <laughs> word. And then he said he was a smart Democrat, and I would say, yeah, a smart Democrat goes nowhere. <laughs> well, so that that was our rapport with one another. We used to banter back and forth jokingly, uh, but he was a person that was very good. I, I you know. Uh, Now we are trying very hard through uh, Senator Lindsey Graham's office to get him what he should have been recognized by the Army many years ago. Then he was a 19-year-old boy from Philadelphia, uh, and he um, was not only a a great person to be around and a friend, but he put his mouth and his life. Where, where you would expect a guy like him to do. As you mentioned, that he had uh, those awards, the Silver Star, the four clusters of uh, the Bronze Star, the Purple Heart, and many other ribbons uh, that he got. But the fact was that Benny risked his life on all those occasions. Uh, he was wounded severely in one battle with the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese they uh, came upon a village uh, that was empty. They didn't, the troops of his regiment didn't feel that there was anybody there, so they relaxed, and all of a sudden, the uh, Viet Cong started open fire with mortars and machine guns and what have you, uh, killing many of our great soldiers of that era. And they were lying there in the battlefield, and nobody was able to get to them. But Betty stood up at one point when they uh, 17 and that's a heavy weapon started shooting back at the enemy where, whereby uh, the uh, medics could go into that battleground and pull out many of the soldiers that were severely wounded and those were dead uh, and then he was at that battle Benny got wounded he got shot twice in the arm but still maintained his position firing away until Everybody was evacuated yeah. And that's the type of person in Benny uh, He believes very strongly In the rights of people mm-hmm. he, he, uh, So I can go on more uh, Well, John, with, with
1: I want to thank you For uh, sharing with us uh, this morning Your memories of Benny And uh, we do remember Benny Swans And we <laughs> thank his family for his service uh, uh, And, uh, yeah. and uh, we've got to hey, go to hey, look, look, a commercial
4: wait, Let me... Let me let me you finish, finish, finish. Well, uh, I know you, you're on a break or whatever it is. You have to come the commercial. Yeah. But the point I was making with with respect to that battle and his his uh, various uh, commendations mm-hmm. from the military, Benny was never recognized for the Congressional Medal of Honor. So we went to Senator Graham's office with his staff and we're working now through the process, the military process, to get him recognized. For the Congressional Medal of Honor. That's oh, what awesome! I want. That is so. That wanted, is so great. I wanted, the, I wanted the community to know that as well. And, yeah. And if they can pick up a pen and pencil and write uh, to uh, Senator, Senator Graham. office. And- You you can take it from there. Very good. Thank you,
1: John. I appreciate your memories. And, folks, we remember Benny Swans today, and we dedicate this episode of Saturday Morning Coffee to his memory. And we ask you to uh, remember him with us. And stick around, folks. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsor with more of the show. Saturday Morning Coffee coming right back. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye, and that's uh, John Monsignor. Stick around. We'll be right back.
0: Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, talking with Greg Sisson at the Greg Sisson
3: Team Remax First Choice Real Estate. Thank you, Reese. Super excited to be on board. Uh, I do believe uh, we can bring some information that will serve your audience here, so I'm excited about that. Greg, if folks want to get in touch with you at your office, how can they do that? Really, my cell phone is the best way. It's 843-251-2693. My email is greg at gregsisson.com. That's the website, gregsisson.com.
0: You're listening to the Grease Boyd Radio Hour, Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. Where
3: are you now When darkness seems to end? Where are you now
4: When the world is crumbling?
3: Oh,
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, your host, seven fifty on your Saturday morning. And uh, hearing those ads over the uh, over the course of the break, I want to take a moment on air to thank uh, Greg Sisson and the Remax First Choice Real Estate team for joining here, joining us here on the show as sponsors of Saturday Morning Coffee and. Um, greg is a great guy we know yeah we recently went through a home buying experience and you know it's uh, funny i uh i'm a lawyer and so i thought as all of you know and i thought you know we know where we want to move we know exactly the house that we want to buy and we think we've got it all figured out so let's just go get a contract done and move and uh but you can't overlook the realtors you can't overlook Uh, the i mean there's so much to think about when you move i mean we got it done but you can't overlook uh the realtors you can't overlook the the the, just the fact that you have somebody else thinking about the transaction Mm -hmm. helping you think about all that needs to be considered as you move and you won't find better help uh more honorable uh straightforward and uh just goodness gracious down to earth um great folks Professional. and uh, at uh, at the at the remax first choice real estate team with greg sisson so i want to thank greg for coming on board look forward to having uh him uh, on the show again and his involvement with the program and encourage you guys to to check them out when you do need uh, real estate help when you're either buying or selling a property mm-hmm. and uh, speaking of uh, help one of the things that uh, we've talked about on the show uh, our nation needs help today is the national day of prayer we've talked about that we had um, um folks uh Uh, Pastor Mike with um, uh, the Ocean Drive Church of the Lost and Found on the program last week. I think he was also on Liz's show this week to talk about uh, today is the National Day of Prayer. There is a prayer march on the National Mall uh, led by Franklin Graham and others. Uh, folks will be gathering, and I think they're expecting a very large crowd. I hope they have a very large crowd. If you can't uh, be in D.C. today, you'd be a little late to the party, even if you left right now, I think. But if you would like, there is an opportunity for you to come out this afternoon. Uh, meet We're meeting at 5 p.m. at the North Myrtle Beach Sports Park Amphitheater that is right off of Highway 31 in North Myrtle Beach. Uh, to pray for our country. And I think that there is nothing that our country needs uh, now more than prayer. Uh, the, our country needs our, our people, our, our, our citizens to come together oh. and, to, uh, and to pray together. And all denominations are welcome. It is a non-denominational event. It is not a political event. It is not, uh, you, you won't hopefully see political signs. It is simply about coming together as a people And praying for our country, something that our country desperately needs. That, again, is today, Saturday, September 26th at 5 p.m. at the North Myrtle Beach Sports Park Amphitheater. If you have questions or need further information, you can call. The church has published a number. That number is 843 663 0567. Um, I'll be there. My family will be there. And I believe uh, Nick Summers and Liz Calloway will also be there. So we look forward to seeing you there. Hopefully you can join us and uh, we'll uh, uh, hopefully have a good crowd and we'll hopefully have a good weather. I hope that we will. I'm praying for, uh, uh, as you said, sunshine at the end of the day, uh, Glenn. So, yeah,
2: it's just going to be cloudy. I mean, it's a, it's a slight chance of a passing shower today.
1: Yeah. So, so that is that. And if y'all uh, can join us, we hope that you will. In In the news this week, obviously, a uh, uh, big, big story is just when you thought more could not happen in 2020. Uh, we had the passing, as we discussed uh, last week, of the notorious RBG, the Supreme Court justice known as the notorious RBG. Interestingly enough, you know, I was looking back over her opinions uh, this week. She was actually, you know, she was more known for her dissents than for her opinions she didn't write she didn't really write a ton of control what we would call controlling law she didn't she was not the author of a, a lot of opinions that you would immediately be familiar with uh, i mean she wrote a few but i mean she's well known i think for the she wrote the opinion that integrated uh vmi the virginia military institute and that obviously had implications for other uh schools like the citadel um but yeah the uh the The uh, opinions that she's really known for uh, were her dissents. She was known for her uh, very strong-worded dissents on many issues. And, of course, she was sort of the scion of the liberal uh, wing of the court. And uh, she will uh, obviously leave a large hole in the Supreme Court. And, of course, there's been much discussion uh, this week over whether President Trump uh, should or should not Uh, appoint someone. You saw some polling probably that suggested a majority of Americans think the president should wait until after the election to uh, reappoint a Supreme Court justice. I don't believe that poll. I think most people believe that the president should do what the Constitution says the president should do when there is a Supreme Court vacancy, and that is appoint another justice. So um, it is not official to my knowledge. I don't think I'm just looking, refreshing my screen here. I haven't seen an official announcement, but the uh, apparent nominee is going to be one Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, Judge Barrett is a sitting uh, judge. She is a judge of the 7th District Court of Appeals. And again, I haven't seen a uh, formal announcement? Have you seen a formal announcement? No, it's, it's supposed to come later today. Yeah, but I mean, it's all, everything but the formal announcement yeah. has been done. <laughs> all if, indicators. If, uh, if, the, if the president wanted it to be a secret, uh, it yeah. has not, uh, it has not remained a secret. And uh, Judge Barrett, and I, I think Judge Barrett will be an excellent uh, choice. Um, Judge uh, Barrett is 48 years old, as I said. She is on the 7th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Chicago. She is a favorite among social Uh, conservatives uh, they uh, and others on the right view her record as an anti-abortion rights and also advocate and also someone who is hostile uh, to the affordable care act and uh, we can talk a little bit more about uh, how uh, some conservatives on the uh, on the court uh, most notably (laughs) Chief Justice Roberts uh, betrayed uh, his uh, ostensible conservatism in upholding the Affordable Care Act. Um, that's a whole nother story. We won't get into that right now. But if officially nominated and confirmed, Barrett would be the youngest justice on the Supreme Court and could help reshape law for generations to come. When Justice Anthony Kennedy retired from the court in 2018, President Trump passed over Barrett, giving the nod instead to then Judge Brett Kavanaugh at the time Trump allegedly told some some supporters that he was saving Judge Barrett to fill Judge uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat, should the justice should uh, the notorious R.B.G. retire. Sources say behind the scenes, though, Barrett's interview with Trump did not go particularly well. That's the that's the. Uh, word here in this article, actually from NPR. But this week, Barrett's interview seems to have gone far better. Moreover, these sources say she has the support of Senate Majority Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who views her as a judge with a clearly proven uh, conservative track record. So we'll get into a little bit about who is this Amy Coney Barrett and what sort of justice will she be. We'll do that right after the break. Stick around. We'll be right back with more Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town.
0: waking up with Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk
5: 94.5. Can't keep
3: my hands to myself. Think I just am know put a back up on the shelf in case my little baby girl is silly.
1: good morning everybody welcome back to saturday morning coffee the reese boyd radio hour you have made it to the bonus second cup hour of saturday morning coffee i hope that second cup of coffee is just as good as the first cup thanks for sticking with us here on the show if you guys want to join the show, we welcome your comments. You can call us on the uh, dial in line at 843 903 You can also text your comments to the pcrxcomputers.com text line. That number is 843-798-8255. And uh, we, do, uh, we do welcome all callers, even those who occasionally... <laughs> Rub us the wrong way. There okay. are
2: a lot of text messages from for the this morning. Yeah. Uh, Don B wants to know. Don B, checking in. Thank he you, He believes that there will be a debate and not, uh, or not, and if the Democrats can afford to have Biden go up against Trump. And I asked you about this earlier. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's a rumor. That uh, the the Democrats may have Biden come down with COVID so that he misses the debates and then makes a you know rem- remarkable remarkable recovery uh, right before the election.
1: I think I am I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm on the record on this point, Glenn. And if I'm not, I, here I go. I I believe something will happen yeah. to prevent the debate from happening. I don't know if that will be COVID or if it will be something else, but I believe. I mean, if you just listen to what Uh, I mean, the Democratic candidate for president cannot say the Pledge of Allegiance unassisted. (laughs) He cannot say the opening paragraph of the Declaration of Independence unassisted. This is the man who wants to be president. You know, I wanted one of the things that I wanted to do. And but everybody's heard all of these clips. But I wanted to just do a compendium of Sleepy Joe comments. I mean, he is whenever he opens his mouth, it's it's you know, there must be danger lights going off at the DNC every time his mouth is moving, because every time he says something, he says something that just is so damaging. I can't imagine him on stage uh, with the president and I can't imagine him walking off the stage, uh, surviving with any kind of credibility as a candidate. But nonetheless, uh, we'll see what happens. My thought is that there will not be a debate because I just don't think they can afford to have the debate. You know,
2: I have a quote from Joe Biden. Yeah, COVID has taken this year. Just since the outbreak has taken more than a hundred. Year, look, here's the lives. It's just, it's just. I mean, think about it. More lives this year than any other year.
1: <laughs> Come Joe on, Biden. man. <laughs> come on man it's the thing it's and that's the a thing. real quote oh yeah that's they're they're all over it's you like can't a new language it's unbelievable it's like what is that pidgin french i mean what is he talking about anyway just before the break we were and we do have a um we do have a couple of callers hanging on the line we'll try to get to you guys uh momentarily the um uh, just before the break, we were talking about the president's nominee to replace uh, the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And by the way, I, I think it's kind of funny that it, her supporters referred to her as the notorious RBG. I don't mean any disrespect uh, to, the, to the deceased uh, associate justice of the Supreme Court when I say that. The, but the passing of Associate Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has uh, opened a seat on the Supreme Court. And the president's uh, pick for uh, that is uh, Amy Coney Barrett. And we were talking about her just uh, before the break. We haven't seen an official announcement, but it's very clear that she is the pick at this point. Barrett, by the way, attended Rhodes College, a Presbyterian-affiliated school in Tennessee, followed by graduation summa cum laude laude, from the Notre Dame School of Law. Interestingly enough, she is not a graduate of either Harvard or Yale. One of the things that I would uh, point out to you guys— is that, you know, over the last several uh, generations, two generations at least, if not three, of really increasingly judicial activism in this country, the court has, for obvious reasons, become increasingly important. Mm-hmm. And because the court uh, controls ever-increasing aspects of our lives through its decision-making, because they've been willing to go further and further into our lives. You know, once upon a time... When the court was initially formed, it wasn't really intended, in my opinion, to control so many minute aspects of our lives. The idea, I think, for instance, just for an example, that a school district would be under the day-to-day supervision of a federal district judge by virtue of a lawsuit would have been really anathema to the founding fathers, they would have been like, of course, a lot has changed uh, over the years, but I, I think clearly they didn't foresee the the rise of judicial activism. And of course, the rise of judicial activism has made the Supreme Court all the more important. And um, But one of the things that we have to, I think, get beyond, and we are, I think, getting beyond it, is this idea that every single justice of the Supreme Court has to come from either Harvard or Yale. Right. Because if you're going to rule a large portion of people's lives, we've got to get beyond the idea that the only people qualified to govern our lives is this very, very, very small sliver of the population that graduated either from Harvard or Yale Law School. Mm -hmm. Because, frankly, (laughs) those people have very little in common with most of us. And uh, so I'm happy to say that Judge Barrett is a graduate, summa cum laude. Uh, from Notre Dame School of Law. She's been teaching there for 15 years. Interestingly enough, you know, Judge Barrett has only been on the court, and by that court, I mean the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeal. She's only been on the court for three years. And so that's a rather, uh, you know, rather compressed, uh, you know, history. But she has been teaching at the Notre Dame School of Law for 15 years. She clerked for the late conservative Justice Antonin Scalia. During her clerkships, she was nicknamed the Conanator, by her fellow law clerks, for destroying flimsy legal arguments, that according to the Chicago Tribune. After that uh, clerkship, she briefly practiced law and then spent 15 years at the Notre Dame School of Law in South Bend, Indiana. She is married to Jesse Barrett, a former prosecutor, and they have seven uh, children, including one with Down syndrome and two that they adopted From Haiti. They live in South Bend, Indiana, and she commutes to Chicago, where the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals sits. Um, Barrett has been the federal judge there for a federal judge there for three years. She has written about a hundred opinions and several telling dissents in which uh, she demonstrates a clear and consistent uh, conservative bent from guns, uh, uh, sexual assault on campus, to health care, to abortion rights. Barrett has shown herself to be a conservative jurist and legal thinker in her rulings and in her academic uh, writings. Interesting tidbit. This uh, from NPR and this alone, uh, folks, should give you great comfort with the idea that uh, Amy Barrett might be elevated to the Supreme Court. According to uh, the records from her confirmation hearings for the Seventh Circuit in 2017, uh, one of the comments uh, spoken of her, uh, by none other than I believe Senator Dianne Feinstein, was uh, the dogma lives loudly within you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I heard that too.
1: <laughs> the dogma. dogma. I mean, what? <clears throat> the force is strong with this one. Hmm. 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 Oh, that I guy! You like that guy I, too. Huh? The dogma <laughs> yeah. lives loudly within you. I mean, if for no other reason than Diane Feinstein said that about Judge Barrett, I would say she's qualified. Uh, the left saw Barrett as a socially. I mean, who says that, Glenn? The, the dogma <laughs> lives
2: loudly within you. Dogma is not a word you hear every day. That's for sure, yeah. or every century. Yeah.
1: <laughs> my my karma ran over your dogma. Yeah. 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 I mean, what? That's uh, crazy. Is she is she for real? I mean, sometimes what the things so there ought to be a show, Glenn. The things senators say. You could, yeah, you could fill up a whole show. You yeah. easily, easily. I think yeah. there probably is a show out there somewhere. We just haven't found it. The yeah. left saw Barrett sees Barrett as a socially conservative, mirror image of Scalia, famous for his conservative approach to constitutional interpretation, and passionate dissents from the courts. Uh, high courts, abortion, and gay rights rulings. Barrett, like Scalia, is seen as an originalist or a textualist. It is a philosophy that looks strictly at the text of the Constitution or statute and tries to apply the original intent of the framers in, in deciding cases. Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein of California, in particular, infuriating Republicans when she ticked off a list of the nominee's writings and speeches about faith and the law. The dogma lives loudly within you, Mm -hmm. and that is of concern, Feinstein said during her nomination hearings. Um, So there's a lot going on there. Uh, I think she's going to be confirmed. The votes are there. She'll be a great justice. A few more comments about that, and we'll get back to perhaps some phone calls right after these words from our sponsors. It's Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town.
0: Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5.
3: I don't believe it. uh, uh. Don't touch me. Hey, Ray. Hey, Sugar. Tell them who we are. Well, we're big rock singers, we got golden fingers, and we're loved everywhere we go. That sounds like us. We sing about beauty and we sing about truth at $10,000 a show. Right. We take all kind of pills to give us all kind of thrills, but the thrill we never know It's the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling Wanna see my on the cover.
1: Rolling Good morning everybody Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee The Reese Boyd Radio Hour It is 8.20 on your Saturday morning they keep getting richer But we can't get our picture On the cover of the Rolling Stone you think they'll come take our photograph, Glenn? I hope so We're talking about Amy Coney Barrett, Judge, uh, excuse me, uh, President Trump's nominee to replace Associate Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. And uh, Judge Barrett's uh, philosophy, which I subscribe to, of textualism in an effort to give voice to the original intent of the Constitution, And uh, she's uh, conservative in that regard. And that leads to a conservative judicial bent on any uh, number of issues, um, including the Affordable Care Act, uh, the Second Amendment, um, immigration, other issues. It's interesting. uh, She takes a rather dismissive view of the doctrine of what's called stare decisis, which means she gives less weight to prior decisions of the court and more weight to her interpretation of what the constitution ought to mean Uh, in her academic work Barrett has written dismissively about the doctrine of respecting the Supreme court's precedents. I tend to agree with those who say that a justice's duty is to the constitution and that it is thus more legitimate for her to infer enforce her best understanding of the constitution rather than a precedent. She thinks clearly to be in conflict with the Constitution. Judge Barrett wrote that in a 2013 Law Review article. On the And, of course, you know, there are those who will tell you that the Constitution, the meaning of the Constitution, the interpretation of the document must change on a daily basis. And to a degree, the document must be interpreted in the context of the world we live in today. You can't avoid that. But on the other hand, those of you who will tell you Those who would tell us that it is a living, breathing document and it means whatever uh, five Harvard educated lawyers tell you it means are just somewhere off the reservation. I don't know exactly where they are. And that's a a big part of our problem, frankly. And that's why appointing people to the court like uh, Justice Barrett is important. And that's one of the main reasons that we elect uh, people like this president, people who will a point uh, to the court uh, conservative uh, justices. You can think of the Constitution, folks. Think about it this way. If you ever get into this argument, think of the Constitution as a social contract. It is a document by which you, the governed, have given your consent to your government to govern you in a particular manner. It's not exactly like a contract, but it must maintain certain aspects of contractual protection. If it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. And uh, because if it's something that can just be interpreted on the fly to mean something completely different than what you thought it meant by five people in robes in a room in Washington whom you've never met and never had an opportunity to vote for, then guess what? That Constitution doesn't protect you. So uh, this idea of originalism and trying to find and ascertain what the founders uh, meant, what what we meant, frankly, not just what the founders meant when they wrote it, but what we meant when we adopted a particular constitutional provision is important. And I think that's the way that the court should primarily look at its job of uh, interpreting the Constitution. On the issue of guns, Judge Barrett has, uh, while she was on the Seventh Circuit, Barrett wrote, That the Second Amendment does not necessarily ban people convicted of felonies from owning a gun. She declared a Wisconsin law bearing anyone convicted of a felony, even if they aren't convicted of a violent crime, to be unconstitutional. Legislatures have the power to prohibit. This is Judge Barrett. Legislatures have the power to prohibit dangerous people from possessing guns. But that power extends only to people who are dangerous, Barrett wrote in a 37-page dissent. Her alliance on originalism also came to the fore a few lines later. In 1791, and for well more than a century afterward, legislatures disqualified categories of people from the right to bear arms only when they judged that doing so was necessary to protect the public safety. Um, Other uh, news, uh, noteworthy items in relation to Judge Barrett's nomination is that, of course, the media is now uh, predictably going after Judge Barrett for her faith. First Newsweek, and by the way, folks, this, of course, is going to be another example of what it means to to uh, Bork or Kavanaugh somebody, and I think we're going to have an opportunity to see another example of what the left truly thinks of the women among us. First Newsweek, which was forced to issue a correction, claimed that Amy Coney Barrett is associated with a group that was the inspiration for The Handmaid's Tale. Then Reuters Reuters attacked Cohen's religious community as being similar to the totalitarian male-dominated society of Margaret Atwood's novel, The Handmaid's Tale. They later (laughs) rewrote the story to correct the error. I mean, Judge Barrett's, the group that she's a, a member of, as far as I can tell, is basically a Bible study. They read the Bible like... Uh, most Christians do uh, from Denny Burke, uh, according to Burke, straight up religious bigotry, pretending to be a news report badly done that referring to the Newsweek and the Reuters stories from Alexander de DeSantis. This is an excellent example of journalists setting out with their anti Catholic conclusions already lined up and then filling the article with cherry picked comments and claims to try and make it true. So you're already seeing uh, the left come after uh, Amy Coney Barrett in a very um, direct, personal, and uh, inappropriate manner. And you'll see a lot more of it as the nomination moves forward. Had a few folks hanging on the line. Uh, want to get uh, to want to get to Larry. Larry, good morning. How are you? Sorry to keep you waiting. Good morning. How are you doing this morning?
5: Oh, phenomenal. How are you?
1: Doing great. Thank you. Listen,
5: a couple of things. I, You know, I, I really am tired of America misusing the word notorious. Because if RGB is notorious, that makes her like Billy the Kid. He was notorious. Or the gangsters in the 20s, they were notorious. It's a negative term. They ought to be saying acclaimed if they want to elevate her not use notorious unless they plan to say that the you know liberal thinking is notorious which probably is that's fine but I'd agree with I don't that realize what we're saying you yeah. know
1: yeah oh yeah that's the thing well isn't and, it isn't it interesting that you've got uh, you know a, a one more than a couple of uh, rap stars musical artists have, have taken the term notorious yeah, I think that's cool as a, as a as a badge of honor as somehow it's uh, it's something yeah, it's something something to, be, uh, something to be something uh, to be you know uh, looked up to for
5: revered yeah, yeah revered. But it's not you know that they hadn't, you know and that's what I was talking to Glenn about about you know education and you're asking about how this all went off track it's because this nation has refused to teach the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights—we
0: mm-hmm.
5: just skip over that. I watched it happening when you were at Conway High School. Yeah, which I still have your folder. So don't be too <laughs> huffy with me. <laughs> right.
1: You'll get—you'll get no <laughs> everyone's folder. You'll get no I huffiness. You'll get no huffiness from this host, Larry. Uh,
4: I uh, Well, you know, I, I've been a kid, all the graduates,
5: and there's—you know—I was there nine years, but. Yeah, I tell them, I say, you know, if we're going to use it as future fundraising for the Conway High School Educational Foundation.
1: Sure, absolutely.
5: Which was the second one in South Carolina for the history. But, you know, this Charters of Freedom that we're working on, and I know we've talked about it some. Uh, but, it, it, you know, here's what we're working on as we, as we all speak. There will be one in Myrtle Beach. There will be one in Conway. We're going to put one in Georgetown County we're going to have several in the Charleston area by county because the goal of the charters of freedom is one in every county in America. Now, here's the here's the sad thing about it. You know, there's 22 in North Carolina, one in South Carolina as we speak, one mm-hmm. in Columbia.
3: So, well, and Larry, we're, here's a,
1: we're working me, on that. Me, and I think that is a great idea. You and I have talked about that on the show and I appreciate that and I think it's a great work. Um There is a question that I have that I would love uh, to get your thoughts on, and that relates to um, how can we assure that that curriculum is being taught to our kids, because as I've said many times, we have the roadmap, we have the compass, as we have said, to the Uh, solution to these many problems that we see in our streets and it's and it lies in our founding documents it lies in observing the bill of rights protecting the bill of rights and standing up for those freedoms that are protected but also standing up for the rule of law so if you'll stick through the break we'll come back with a couple of follow-up questions for you i'm reese boyd we're here with glenn Dye and larry biddle don't leave town we'll be right back with more after these words from our sponsors
0: Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. full hours on Talk 94.5.
4: All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new adventure something. Grab some old of me, tiny, flowing like an awful... Daily and nightly, will it ever stop, y'all?
3: I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll go to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal, Light up the stage and write a jump like a candle
4: dance. Caress a speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom, deadly. When I play it's melody, anything less than the best it's a melody, love it to leave it
1: today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, 835 on your Saturday morning. Saturday Morning Coffee flying by this morning. We're on the phone, joined by a call from one of my dear friends in Merle's at Larry Biddle. Larry, we were talking before the break about uh, the importance of these founding documents that we point to often on this program, and for good reason. But my question is, how do we assure ourselves, and I've told folks on this program, as you know many times, that if you have kids in school, you have to follow their progress. You have to learn what they are learning, at least know what they are covering. But, you know, we've heard about um, the 1619 Project of the New York Times uh, and, and others involved in that effort to sort of teach an alternative view of American history, that all that we know as America was founded on the backs of slave labor and, and that it's inherently evil to the core and somehow we've got to reformat it and purge the evil out of it. I'm not exactly sure how they would propose to do that, but nonetheless, it's a very different history. And President Trump has announced the 1776 Commission, which is intended to do exactly what we're discussing, which is remind people of the, uh, the, the greatness and the aspirations of our founding documents. But uh, how do we make sure that our schools are doing their, because clearly they have not been doing their job. We've not, we've succeeded in failing to raise a generation of Patriots. And I think that's why we have the folks in the streets doing the things that they are doing today. Um, but any thoughts on what folks can do to, to fix this problem?
5: Well, I, I think you're actually right. The last time we talked about this, um, it you know, president hadn't announced his 1776 project, which is essential, no question. Um, and so that's that piece, which is outstanding. Uh, this, this totally fits in hand in glove. The Charters of Freedom have elementary uh, materials, high school materials, and everything else. One of the things they found is when parents take their kids to one of these uh, installations, it's not a monument, it's an installation uh, you know, the parents learn more than, because they hadn't been taught this, most of them, many of them. I mean, I'm a grandparent and a great-grandparent. I was taught it from the beginning. My mother worked with Ronald Reagan. She ran the switchboard for Ronald Reagan in Sacramento. Wow. So I know about Sacramento. And, you know, think, talk about notorious. How, how about Feinstein's husband, the UC uh, Berkeley trustee, who's uh, been uh, rigging the system by recommending students for, as political favors, there we go. Yeah. It's always something, isn't it? Yeah, it's always something. so. Yeah, and and so I think uh, as far as you know, there's ORE County's a big system in school world. I I lived in it, worked in it, been attached to it. Trustee at Coastal for eight plus years. Uh, same concept, you know. We have got We've got to go to the core of the values of the Declaration. The uh, Constitution and the Bill of Rights, which this does very effectively, um, and so you know it's going to. One of the things that we're looking at, it, more than likely, uh, and I've had I'm in deep conversations with Burrows and Chapin right now as a shareholder uh, with the CEO that where it belongs is in Broadway at the Beach because of the traffic. Uh, you don't put these in kind of isolated areas on purpose because the, the, what you're saying is we, it's exposure. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you have to get the, the students and the teachers and, you know, et cetera, uh, exposed to the, to the concepts. And, of course, yeah. you know, people come to Broadway from all over the world. When they yeah. come to Myrtle Beach, they're going to go out there because of everything. And so, you know, that's max exposure. That's what they look for. Yeah. Uh, but you don't want to hide the, hide the installation.
1: And when you and, say uh, charters of freedom, you're referring to actual public displays of these documents, the Declaration of Independence. That's, the That's correct. Constitution, yes, sir.
5: Yeah, cetera. public displays. They're in yeah. they're in concrete. You, you can choose how you want it. It's rebarred concrete. Yeah. They're slated the last 500 years. So forget the hurricane problem. That, they ain't going to touch these things. Yeah, man, they're low to the ground where kids can look at them. Yeah. you know it's just like the original documents uh except I think we've changed the font so it's easier to read easier to read uh, sure. which makes sense yeah, yeah. and so it's, it's it's an educational piece, obviously yeah so teaching for learning for life forever is one of my uh things that I've used all my life
1: yeah uh, well on purpose let me say this I, I I think it's great work and and Larry I appreciate the phone call and one of the things that I would say you know I encourage folks to get copies of these documents you know when I when my yes. daughter was going through uh, this curriculum and, and they go through it multiple times but when she was studying the initially the, the sort of the first take on the Constitution they talked about the Bill of Rights and but they didn't really talk about each one specifically and I, we talked about the fact that there were right. tw- 12 amendments and we talked about what each one of those and we talked about how the colonies it was important that there be uh, largely, um, unanim, unanimity among the the colonies that were that were that were creating uh, this new idea of a democratic republic in the new world, and also we we also talked about specifically in regards to the Bill of Rights, specifically what each what each right protected, because that's important that yep. people understand that and and uh, and and to understand exactly uh, the way the founders intended for a democratic government to function, because in many ways we've lost a lot of that, and uh, and a lot of people. Many people don't know that. And so I encourage people to get a copy of the Constitution, get a copy. I have a little pamphlet that I give out. And if folks in the listening audience, I've had a couple of you call the office. If you'll call my office, I've got a whole box of uh, little pocket copies of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, and a, and I think a couple of other documents are in there. But we'll be glad to send you a copy of those. But get a copy of the documents and study those. Read them with your with your children. And um, and I, there are quite a few people that I, uh, know our our uh, county council chairman uh, Johnny Gardner. He will re- he reads. Uh, the Declaration of Independence every July fourth on the courthouse steps. Great thing to do. Yep. And so yes, we, we've got to begin to have, you know, more recognition of the role that these documents have played in protecting and preserving our freedom. And and I want to say this, is America a perfect country? No. We are not a perfect Never. country. Never.
5: No one is.
1: And 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 those founding documents espoused some very high ideals. And we didn't do a perfect job of achieving uh, execution of all of those ideals right out of the gate. But what what human enterprise has ever batted a thousand right out of the gate, Larry? That's the question. No, you know, no one, not one. Yeah,
5: Any, anywhere in the world,
1: exactly. Not one. Yeah, absolutely. And so I view our history. I view our history, and it's it's uh, you know uh, a, a lot has happened since then. But I view our history largely as an effort. The, the the process by which we have come to recognize and realize more and more of the ideals that we set forth when we founded the country. Are we are we there yet? No, we're not fully there yet. We still have a ways to go, but we're getting there. We're we, you know, we're we are making progress. We occasionally have setbacks. 2020 has been a huge setback in many respects, unfortunately, but we're still making progress. I think. Wouldn't you agree?
5: Well, you know, Reese, one of the things, you know, it, uh, it, it all comes down to what we didn't put in is what we've gotten back, and that's been going on for four or five centuries, uh, decades, Yeah, no question. Yeah. And so, you know, people, all they need to do to get copies of these documents is to go to org, or .com. I think they have both, yeah. both uh, sites, Charters of Freedom. If you just put in Charters of Freedom, it will come up and it would be great if y'all would add that website to the the, the, the uh uh talk radio website, you know the W T K N yeah. yeah I'll, I'll because uh, they could just click on it. I'll, I'll find that char- and it comes right up, every bit of it.
1: We'll find that website, Larry, and we'll link it from our social media page and folks get in touch uh with Charters of Freedom and with Larry and and uh and help out if you can because it's a great project. Uh Larry, thanks for the call. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, okay?
5: appreciate you all very
1: much. Thank you, sir. Take care. Folks, it's uh, Reese Boyd. uh, It's uh, Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. Don't leave town. Hey, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, talking with Greg Sisson. Greg is the principal at the Greg Sisson Team Remax First
3: Choice Real Estate. How long have you been in the real estate business? I started in real estate full-time in 1997 and Our company is is really structured where we can serve the client at a high level. So we've really streamlined it to make it simple and easy for our clients. Our market is red hot. Kind of the perfect storm for home sellers right now in the Grand Strand. Greg, if folks want to
1: get in touch with you
3: at your office, how can they do that? Really, my cell phone is the best way. It's 843-251-2693. And then our website is gregsisson.com. Check us out there as well. If you are a seller today and you're thinking about it, it it would make sense to give me a call. REMAX First Choice, the Greg Sisson team, real estate experts here in Myrtle
1: Beach, ready to help you with your real estate needs.
0: Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, on Talk (laughs)
4: 94.5.
2: Southside got brazen hair. First time I seen a walk by, and about a fellow by my chair. Had
0: to get her number, like six weeks. Now me and her go way back, like Cadillac's body.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. Going way back like Cadillac seats, 848 on your Saturday morning. I can't imagine how fast this show flies by. Got a whole stack of stuff we haven't even gotten to yet. It's crazy. Um, I want to thank everybody for checking in on the pcrxcomputers.com text line. Lots of uh, traffic this morning. Andy. Checking in, Jeff, the guitar builder, checking in, Will, checking in down from Coastal Sports in Morals Inlet. Uh, Good morning, Will. Good to hear from you. Wayne, the insurance guy, checking in with some great comments. Long, uh, long little comment there, Wayne. I wish I had time to respond to all that. I'll try to get back to you via the text. Uh, Don Bound checking in. We've talked about that. Ferris checking in on the pcrxcomputers.com text line. Chuck in Merle's Inlet. Uh, Chuck, not in our system, but Chuck checking in. Uh, Chuck, great comment about, uh, yes, the Supreme Court appointment battle is going to be uh, brutal. You already see that. It's happening, and, uh, uh, and it is going to get worse, as we were discussing in the prior segment. Uh, Johnny checking in on the uh, pcrxcomputers.com text line. The climber's checking in with a question about what does it mean to pack the court? Uh, Mark, the, Mark the uh, cab guy checking in, saying that he agrees with Trump. Not exactly sure what portion of what the president now saying that you agree with, Mark, but I agree uh, with you that uh, we agree with, with Trump. You know, I tell people many times, Trump is not perfect. There is no perfect president. Sometimes, uh, many times, I wish he would lay off the Twitter and pursue his agenda uh, in a less uh, uh, firebrandish fashion in a, in a way that's a little more um, perhaps diplomatic. But, hey, Trump is Trump and Trump is getting the things done that need to be done. So uh, I say judge the man on his actions and uh, try not to pay too much attention to his uh, Twitter feed uh, when, you, when it bugs you. Just let it go. Just let it, Can't we all just get along? Just let mm-hmm. it go. The president's got a Twitter habit. Hey, <laughs> you know, John Kennedy. I uh, had quite a few habits in the White House. Yeah, and the president's got a Twitter habit. I, you know, I'm OK with that. I mean, I wish he wouldn't say some of the things that he says, but he does. So he's the president and I'm not. Um, the climbers ask about packing the court. I think that's an incredibly uh, important question. You know, it's interesting, y'all. Speaking of uh, pocket copies of the Constitution, Article 3 of the Constitution says the following. The jud- judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court. And in such inferior courts as Congress may from time to time ordain and establish the judges of both the supreme and inferior courts shall hold their offices during good behavior and shall at stated times receive for their services a compensation which shall not be diminished from. There during their continuance in office. That is Section 1 of Article 3, folks. Uh, and uh, Article 3 obviously goes on for uh, a few more sections, but the, the bottom line, I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously, but the point being that the formation of the federal courts left largely to the discretion of Congress. There is no written provision in the Constitution that says the Supreme Court must be nine justices. We just have a long and vaunted tradition. We have a, we have 250 years of precedent that says the Supreme Court is obviously, uh, you have to have some number and we've always had nine. Uh, it needs to be an odd number because you don't want a four to four decision if you can avoid it. So nine is the number that we've had. Uh, there was discussion back when, um, FDR was president, as I recall. FDR wanted to pack the court uh, because uh, initially the Supreme Court resisted many of his New Deal proposals, many of the legislation, much of the legislation that FDR was able to hammer through Congress uh, in a series of very uh, significant decisions were, were overturned by the Supreme Court. And so FDR, as presidents can or want to do from time to time, was very upset. And he said, all right, fine. I'll add four more justices to the Supreme Court and we'll see how they like that. So that controversy was avoided because the Supreme Court suddenly became much more compliant and much more receptive to FDR's notion of what uh, was and was not appropriate for the federal government uh, to undertake. And so talk of packing the court went away. Now we're hearing Uh, talk of packing the court again. And I sort of always took packing the court with a grain of salt. In law school, we learned that this was just something that you do not do. You don't pack the court. You respect the court, that the court has nine justices. And when you start monkeying around with the court you are creating major, major problems. And I still believe that to be true. I don't think any of us can foresee exactly what would happen if the court was packed, but I can almost guarantee you it will not be pretty. I'll be sharing something with you in a moment that points to that. Andrew McCarthy points out that Biden, in contrast to Trump, by the way, who's had a list of nominees since before he entered the White House, that he has shared with us and made public. Biden answers very few questions about the Supreme Court, on the campaign trail. And it's imperative he does as his party is planning on expanding and packing the Supreme court. And that would be a direct result of his election. And it would be a radical one, but it is only one of a, plethora of radical steps that would follow, expanding and packing the lower federal courts, statehood for the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, single payer health care, elements of the Green New Deal, a massive bailout for the mismanaged blue states, breaking up and regulating the submission of private the submissive private businesses, hamstringing the nation's police forces, gutting the Second Amendment, sweeping immigration amnesty, and so on and so on. That's Andrew McCarthy writing over at the National Review. I do want to share with you one article, and again, this this is uh, this is something that uh, partly sounds a little bit like crazy talk. This is, uh, but it's worth it's worth noting and considering, folks. This is Ian Hyatt writing over at the Stream. After Ginsburg's death, a coup is a realistic possibility. By the way, I again, my disposition on this topic is to say nobody, people will threaten this. Democrats will threaten this, but they're actually not literally crazy, and they won't actually uh, pack the court. But I'm not so sure that we can assume that any longer. And uh, Hyatt, Ian Hyatt, writing over at the stream, says, Justice Ginsburg's Ginsburg's death represents the end of an era. As all court watchers know, Ginsburg and Scalia, despite their deep political differences, were close close personal friends. In 2015, a comedy opera was written about their friendship— Ginsburg gave the opera a rave review. I saw Ginsburg speak in 2017, and when she spoke of how she missed Scalia, I could hear genuine warmth in her voice. Now, with both Scalia and Ginsburg gone, an era of civil disagreement has died with them. There are now two separate Americas. Each views the other as its own global moral enemy, a role once occupied by the Soviet Union. We are heading towards tragedy, rather than comedy. Ginsburg's death could result in a bloodless coup that, as I'll explain, would end America's tripartite citizen of government. The in- inevitable outcome would either be a dangerous civil conflict or totalitarian rule. And he goes on to say that this is uh, what we see now happening in our country is very similar to the last days of the Roman Republic. And he makes some very interesting points. He says, and we'll post a link to the full article, don't have time to read it all. If Joe Biden is elected in November, his administration will not involve the public massacre of political opponents in the story that he references from the Roman uh, Republic. But it could very well involve packing the Supreme Court, an action that would end America's constitutional government and lead inevitably to future violence. Court packing would be a coup. Abolishing the United States Constitution in all but name. Since Trump's election in 2016, many progressives have discussed ways to create a permanent one-party regime in the United States. The most popular proposal is to pack the court. This means that Democrats would arbitrarily increase the number of seats on the Supreme Court, then load those seats with judges who will rubber stamp their agenda folks this is a very serious issue a very serious potential problem and of course i again am inclined to think that the democrats would never do this but democrats are crazy what is happening around us is crazy folks we see things happening in the world around us that most of us thought we would never see packing the court literally means the end of our constitutional republic and i would say they'd never do this but i learned this week i'd miss this They actually did pack the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. And so they actually have a little historical precedent for doing this. So it's and we'll post a link to the article. I wish we had time to read the whole thing. We don't. Uh, But I will tell you this, folks. It is an important issue that uh, we have to be on top of and we have to work hard to make sure that the next president of the United States is not Joe Biden, but Donald Trump. Uh, Folks, let me leave you with this bit of wisdom from the Proverbs, as I always do. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Folks, that's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Come join us this afternoon at uh, the North Myrtle Beach Recreation Complex Amphitheater for a day of prayer for our country. And join us next week for more Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Thanks for joining the show. We'll see you next week. Y'all have a blessed weekend